Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined today by a very exciting guest, uh, one of the best young pitchers in Major League Baseball, Mr. Noah Syndergaard. Noah, how's it going today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Tell me, first of all, what you're doing with Sports Crate. Um, I partnered up with Sports Crate. Um, it's a subscription-based uh, box that you can get through the mail. Um, starts off with 10 teams right now um, and includes like, anywhere from an action figure that I'm looking at right now. Um, I know that's what's going to be included in the, in the first box, and I just think it's something that uh, the fans are really going to enjoy. It's good. It's all subscription-based, delivered right to your front door. Um, starts up uh, $39.99 a month. You can get it, go to sportsgrade.com. Interrupted briefly by a phone call, but you know, you're a busy guy. Where were we? <laughs> um, you were telling us about Sports Crate and this action figure of you. Yeah, uh, it's got uh, all kinds of gear that it comes with um, an action figure like this one. Um, it's actually really cool. It comes with a little stand. You can put on different kinds of poses. Um, yeah, you can move your arms around. Yeah, it's just uh, a great way to kind of share with the fans. Uh, you know, I th feel like the, the Mets faithful are the, the best fans in baseball. I couldn't be more blessed to, to play in this great city. Uh, do you think it can throw 98? Um, I don't know. It looks pretty jacked. So <laughs> it does. They, yeah, well, it's you've got a very large head in the action figure. Yeah, but that's the, accurate. You know, they gave you like the, sort of like the V-cut frame. Yeah, you know, that's yeah, the nice. The artist definitely got my head right. <laughs> um, all right, I want to ask a bunch of questions, but I, I got to ask about, uh, unfortunately, and I know you're not excited to answer this question, but how's your, how's your finger? How's the blister? Uh, blister's all right. I don't, I don't think they're going to have to amputate it, so I think. <laughs> it doesn't look like much. That, that seems like something you, you're feeling good about starting this weekend. Yeah, yeah it should, it'll, it'll be fine by come uh, Monday. There are a bunch of sort of home remedies baseball players use for blisters. Have you tried any of them? No, not yet. We just, I've been putting this cream on it twice a day. Nothing too crazy. No pickle juice, no peeing on your hands. Not yet. All right, cool. Um, it's probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I wanted to ask you about, and something I've, I've asked a bunch of players about, is this, the idea that baseball needs to be more fun. Uh, you seem like a guy who has a lot of fun playing baseball. Uh, what do you think it is about the sport that has prevented players from being a little bit more emotional uh, on the field? Um, I feel like people are too um, caught up in respecting the game. I feel like there's ways that you can respect the game but yet show uh, tremendous emotion um, like a couple years ago when Batista hit that monstrous home run and um, some people thought that the way he celebrated was a little controversial I would I wouldn't happen to say that was the case just because you know I mean that kind of setting that atmosphere you know I'm sure he didn't even realize what was really going on it was just uh, I'm sure he was just overcome with excitement and, and let the uh, emotions uh, run wild, but I feel like that's something that, that baseball is, is missing and I would like to see more of. Yeah, I always say there there's no better way to respect the game than to love the game, mm -hmm. right? And it seems like, you know, the, the a lot of the, at least the, or, or was, and, and I feel like it's it's moving away from that, but so much of it is like, now you need to put your head down and, and you know, not show up the other pitcher. But as, as a pitcher, if a guy hit a big home run off you, and it doesn't happen very often, but if a guy did, and he flipped his bat away and celebrated, does that upset you? 
Um, I mean, it could just because it's competitive based. I mean, everybody's wants to succeed and and, and do well. Um, but does I mean, it is does the home run upset you more or the bat flip? Probably the home run. Yeah. If, but if it, I guess it just depends on what the uh, the circumstances or what the the setting is. I'm saying if it's like a they're blowing us out. Ten nothing, and I give up a home run, and they want to showboat. Then, then, yeah, probably might have a little bit of problem with that. But if it's a an intense game, um, like a intense situation, then, then yeah, uh, I could see that why, or I could justify why they uh, that kind of celebration would be okay. And you've hit home runs, and I imagine, I mean, you can tell me because I I haven't hit any home runs. Does it feel awesome? No, oh, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. Uh, what about it is so good? <laughs> uh, I just think that because uh, people perceive pitchers as non-athletes and not really contenders or threats at the plate, and it just so happens when you you do something monumental like a pitcher hitting a home run, it's just uh, incredible in my mind. So, uh, do you have any favorite players to watch? Um, players to favorite currently? Currently, um, former, either way. I really like, I was watching Carlos Martinez pitch the other day, and uh, I really admired that. Uh, Chris Bryant's a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, think, I think that's, that's about it. Uh, so, by the time this, this podcast goes live, this the game might have already happened, but uh, we're speaking on Wednesday morning. Tonight, uh, you guys are going to see uh, an old favorite of yours. Uh, <laughs> What do you look forward to? What do you miss about Bartolo Colon? Oh, man, what do I miss about Bartolo? Um, just the amount of joy and laughter, I guess, he, he brought into the clubhouse, the, the amount of fun that he had. Um, and he, I think it was just a, he was a lot of fun to watch because he was such a, a large person. People were like, well, maybe he might not be that athletic, but I think he's one of the most athletic guys on the field. Um, Super quick on his feet, actually, and uh, just does things out there that that amaze me. Also, I mean, still a really good pitcher at age forty, almost age forty-four now. Kind of an incredible thing to watch. But one of uh, the keys to his success has been his incredible two-seamer. Uh, and and I've read that you're you're relying a little bit more on the two-seamer now. Is that something you took from him? Is that something you saw? Anything like that? It's just something I've been working on for the past couple of years now. Um, I think it's just uh, an, an extra pitch in my arsenal that I could use uh, other than a forcing fastball just because there's not much, I don't think there's any difference in, in velocity. Um, it's just my two seams going to move a little bit more, so I want to use that in, uh, to my advantage. Uh, do you do you dream, and, and I doubt it happens, but you never know, maybe you know, 12th inning, he's got a perfect game going, scoreless tie, you get a chance to face Bartolo. Is that something you relish? But the 12th inning, he's got a perfect game going? Uh, yeah, it's a zero-zero tie. This is just a, this is a hypothetical, okay, hypothetical. Hypothetical. He's still going. You know, he's yeah, I mean, going. I would love that. I know exactly <laughs> what I'm going to get when I go up there. And, you know, he, he loves throwing his fastball. He's been throwing his fastball for 20-plus years now. So 90% fastballs or something? It's, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, one thing that, that's come up a bunch of times for you, uh, and, and I think it's a, it's a bold move on your part, uh, you've... you've Developing a, a strong fan base in New York, despite starting a rivalry with one of the most beloved figures in baseball. Why 
do you not like Mr. Met? You know, I've I started realizing this when I was with the Blue Jays, and I was sitting in Danville, wherever Dan Danville, Virginia, I think that's where it is, where their short season team is, and they had a mascot there, and I was like, I really I'm kind of scared of mascots because <laughs> they're just kind of sneaky and and uh, very stealthy, and you don't really know what's inside of them, so the mystery kind of bothers me a little bit. Um, and I guess he caught wind of that and just never have let me live it down. So Mr. Met started it? I don't even know who started it, to be honest. And Mr. Met recently posed with your mom? Yeah. How'd that make you feel? <laughs> Not good. <laughs> um, do you worry at all about his accuracy with the t-shirt cannon? Well, now that you think mention it with my mom, I might have to put her in a home a little earlier now. His <laughs> um, accuracy with, uh, with a t-shirt cannon? I mean, you're a big target. Yeah, I'm a little concerned because he, get, he gets real close to the dugout. And sometimes I'll pop my head out. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to be in that line of fire. Uh, yesterday you got a rare day off in New York City. Uh, what, is it, what, is a day, what does a day off in New York look, for Noah, look like for Noah Syndergaard? Just um, a lot of lounging around. Um, I'm a massage therapist in town, so I, I was got a massage from her. She had some magic hands, and uh, then I went to the Knicks game. Actually, actually, I wanted to ask about that. I was going to ask later, but I, there's a picture of you in the Knicks game that I, I kind of wanted to bring up because it. Uh, hold on, let me pull it up here, and I'll I'll post it with the podcast. But uh, did you cat? Did you see this photo? Yep. Uh, do you know the woman behind you? The one who looks really mad at you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know who that is. You don't know who that is. Uh -uh. Um, do you, do you, it looks like she might be warming up to choke you there. Well, I know. That's that Gaselman, right? Yeah, that's Gaselman. Uh, Matt Frost, CA guy. That's my girlfriend's arm in the green jacket. <laughs> okay. And I don't know who that woman is, but I know that hand oh, okay. doesn't so, belong to that woman. All right, that's a that's a deceptive photo. It looks yeah. like she's either about to do your hair or wring your neck. No, no, no. I don't. That that that, that hand and that face don't. I don't think they match. Okay. The, the person. Um, but, yeah. Do you worry? It does look like she's trying to <laughs> kill me. Do you worry that maybe you ruined the Knicks game for this poor woman who who got a second row seat right behind the six foot six guy with flowing blonde hair? No, she just got to look at my hair the whole time. It's, I mean, you don't have to say this, but I would say probably better than watching the Knicks game. Uh, how do, do you enjoy, I mean, you've, you've seen, you've gone to a lot of different games, a lot of different sporting events. Are you enjoying the experience of becoming a star in New York, getting all those opportunities? Yeah, it's, it's awesome just because, you know, uh, the folks at Madison Square Garden treat me really well. Uh, just throughout the game, like, they'll have a, a little segment on their other big screen showing like highlights of uh, Gazelman and I pitching and just hearing the, uh, the amount of cheers and, and, and the garden is, is awesome. Uh, Josh Donaldson recently appeared on the show Vikings and I know you've, you've done some TV stuff in the past. Is there any television show you'd love to make an appearance on? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've already done it actually and I was on Game of Thrones so I one-upped him. Already. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, when's that episode come out? Probably in August. And what did you play? I was a Lannister general. Nice. 
Um, do, you, do you hope to do more of that in the future? I, I hope so, yeah. I think it's fun. Like, uh, maybe. Do pretty well at it. Uh, you've also, in the past, expressed a, uh, an enjoyment of one of my favorite shows, The Walking Dead. Have you kept up with that show this year? I'd probably stop watching it around season four. All right. Like it's getting a little repetitive. Uh, that is my chief complaint. I got, I got they stuck. Yeah, they find a new group of bad guys, then they have to fight them, then they find a new group of bad guys, then they have to fight them. But do you have a, a strategy for surviving a zombie apocalypse? I really thought it was funny how they disguise themselves as zombies. That's, have you ever seen the movie Shaun of the Dead? Yes. I would just walk around like a zombie the whole time <laughs> and pretend. All right, I mean, I think that works. You don't have, like, a... There's no, like, archery in your arsenal or anything like that that might work out. Well, I like that, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I got to let you go. Thanks so much for, for joining the show. And uh, I... Best of luck on the season, real quick. Uh, I, I'm assuming you're pretty confident in the Mets' chances this year. Mm -hmm. Why are the Mets going to win the World Series? I just think it's the, the team chemistry that we have. Um... From the second we stepped foot in the, the clubhouse in Port St. Lucie, the, the excitement, the energy was already there. And I think that's just uh, partly due to the, the great veteran leadership that we have in the clubhouse, like guys like David, Neil, Curtis. Uh, you start with those guys, and then you add the, the youthful talent that's, that's coming in, and you just got a, uh, a great team to, to work with. Noah, thanks so much. Thank you. So that again was Mets pitcher Noah Sindergaard. And for perhaps an even more exciting guest now, I'm joined, as often, by my producer, Hemel Javeri. Hemel, how are you? Wow, that's such a huge compliment. <laughs> I mean, you have similarly flowing hair. <laughs> that is true. And well, I would say my hair is more like I would say my hair is more like Jacob Degrom. I, I don't have the blonde that Syndergaard has. Yeah, I was even going to put you in like the Robert Gesellman category. It's really not. It's not even really as long as Syndergaard's. I'm so jealous of his hair. I kind of want hair tips. <laughs> uh, it's fairly beautiful. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we got some questions, and we should provide them some answers. We'll keep it fairly short uh, because, you know, we've been going way too long most of the time. I've only, got a, <laughs> I've only got a select handful of questions, and believe it or not, only one actual food question came in. I, I think they have... Uh, heard your pleas to stop asking about food. And <laughs> again, my pleas, yeah, anyway. your pleas, your pleas. And, and there are plenty of opportunities people have to ask me about food. If you want to ask me about food on Twitter, I'll, I'll usually answer them. So it's not that, again, it's not that I don't want to hear your food questions. It's just that we, have just a, want, we got a lot of things we want to talk about. You just want people to ask better food questions. Well, yeah, I mean, you said it. You said it, Nami. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate every question we get. Well, you're, you're better at this than I am. All right, um, question one. Yeah, question one. This comes from, so we'll start with the food one. We'll just get this right out of the way because this is a two-part two -part question. Yep. It's, actually, it's actually not really. It's two completely separate questions. One of them is about food, and it's something that I know from your Instagram you can, you can answer because it is Taco Bell related. It is Taco Bell related. I went to Taco Bell last night. I saw, I saw, um, and I saw that your sister is now using some of my techniques. She was really very excited about dumping the queso on her tostada. Uh, and I said, nope, I'm not going to try it. I, I'm sure Ted is right, but I like my food the way I like my food. <laughs> uh, well, and so I don't know, maybe you won't have an answer for this, because I know you're very set in your Taco Bell order. I know, I'm not adventurous, but go ahead. Michael Barrett at Bert1335 wants to know if 
we prefer the Cool Ranch or the Nacho Cheese Doritos Loco Taco. For me, it's Cool Ranch all day. Oh, really? Yeah. I have never, so I haven't tried it, but I would say if I were to order it, I would have to go with Nacho Cheese because I don't think Cool Ranch is, is going to taste good with the other flavors that Taco Bell has. Really? It's just kind of a Taco Bell flavor that happens to have come from Doritos. I feel like it's mm. sort of like tangy and good and cool ranchy. Um, like, I don't really know what ranch flavor means. I guess it's like ranch dressing-ish. I think uh, it's ranch dressing, yeah. Yeah, um, but, and, and so my, my complaint about the nacho cheese Doritos Loco Taco is that it has, it's a little bit salty for me. Like, I feel like the, the Taco Bell salt content is also, is, is pretty high at like mm -hmm. a baseline. So mm -hmm. when you add salty powdery stuff, to the taco shell itself, then it's like, this is a really salty taco. And it's good. It can be good. Um, but I think the the Cool Ranch flavor for me, it's a little bit, like, less assertive. And so I like it a little bit more. Okay. I, I think that part of my, not even objection, but a part of my decision making is that I don't like Cool Ranch Doritos to begin with. Uh, like, okay. like they're... Like, that tangy flavor is just a little too much. Do you have a standard, do you have a go-to, do you eat Doritos very often? I don't eat them often, but I eat them often enough that nacho cheese is 100% my go-to. Yeah. I, but I'm a very conservative food person, so I don't like messing around with, like, I don't like extra stuff. I don't like new flavors. Like, for potato chips, I just want potato chips. I don't want anything else on it. For Doritos, I just want nacho cheese. Don't want anything else. See, I'm almost exactly the opposite in that, like, when I try a new chip, it's always, it's almost always, I, I eat potato chips so rarely that when I do eat potato chips, unless it's something that someone just has out at a party, if I'm mm -hmm. purchasing pota potato chips for whatever reason, it's usually going to be something I don't have a lot of exposure to. So, like, I tend to find when you travel around the country, every mm -hmm. region sort of has its own brand of potato chips. And mm -hmm. I'm always, always, I'm almost always going to check that out over, like, a Lay's, which you can get everywhere. Uh, in, a, in that sense, I kind of agree with you that if I'm overseas and I'm traveling, I'll try to pick up uh, a local potato chip. But, uh, so my sister does this all the time, and she buys, you know, like, 99.9% .9 of all of our food is that she always goes out and buys something different. And we have this argument all the time is that she buys what she thinks is like good expensive pasta sauce um, that's different flavors and has garlic or whatever. And I'm like, please just bring home ragu. Like that is all I want is your basic sauce you know, of ragu. You're like, this, um, as as an Italian man, <laughs> this, like, hurts my heart. I, I, I know, I know for you that this is, like, I might as well just be eating pasta well, with sewer water. Yeah, but... I mean, I don't I do not do jarred sauce at all. I'm, like, such a snob about that. that I, yeah, I, so so I'm way, I'm way out. Like, I'll, I'll get, like, something, okay. like a nice vodka sauce, something, like something I don't make at home. But if mm -hmm. it's terms of regular red sauce, I, I would just make that. Or most of the time... Uh, my mom makes so much of it that there's usually like three frozen containers of sauce of some sort in my in my freezer at any given time. Okay, so the next time I see you, then I want a jar of like Ted Berg's homemade pasta sauce. Um, uh, there's a yeah. there's there's a lot of meat in there, but we can make oh, an adjusted mind. version. Yeah, <laughs> But, but I think that I'm very conservative. I just you know, especially like on pizza, I only want like 
cheese pizza or one or two toppings. I don't want a bunch of extra stuff. Okay, I mean, I res I respect that, I suppose, but I'm I'm trying to go all over the place. But in terms of traveling overseas, and and I want to get off the food question, but just oh, right. real real quickly, quick one of one of my favorite things about going overseas is like the completely wacky potato chip flavors you see, or at least they seem to oh, yeah. us. But like shrimp flavored potato chips, like in China, it was like all I did was like try to find, and it's they're American brands. It's just <laughs> and. I don't even think that I'm sure like I in many cases this is the cynic in me like that shrimp garlic chip is really being sold as uh, like whatever it is nacho fiesta here like some <laughs> some completely unrelated but vaguely salty flavor here and it's just the same thing with a different package but I think that the the it works on my mind so I'm like wow these taste like cucumber <laughs> um, cucumber chips is, pretty good I'm what is the weirdest flavor you've come across Oh man, uh, I wish I remember. Like there were a lot of like crab, and and so there's crab chips in in Baltimore, but that just means mm -hmm. Old Bay seasoning Old on Bay chips, seasoning, right? Right. Uh, which obviously, which is delicious. Yeah, and obviously, as a as a proud representative of the DMV, you know all about the the Old Bay seasoning on everything. But mm -hmm. uh, I think that in China, they're actually like crab flavored chips, uh, mm -hmm. and those are those are fairly weird. Um, I'm trying to think if India has anything that's they like specifically Indian. There's definitely, I'm sure that that exists. Whether or not you've come across it, it's there. I mean, I'm sure it's there, but most of the times you really just, they have, uh, like, masala chips that I think for American palates would be a little bit too spicy. Huh. I mean, not yeah. my palate. I, w I would be all about it. Uh, but the second question from Michael Barrett, and this is yes. at Bert1335, not, I assume not the former Major League catcher Michael Barrett, best known for punching A.J. Pierzynski in the face. Um, I assume this is a different Michael Barrett, but if it is that Michael Barrett, hey, come on the show, we'll talk about punching A.J. Pierzynski in the face. Uh, he wants to know which Yankee or Met you would want to build a new team around. Do you have a take on this? I don't really, because my answer would be an emotional response, and I would just say Bartolo, even though he's not a Met anymore. Yeah, and also he's 44, so... It, like, I know, it I know. It's a, it's a terrible answer. But maybe he pitches forever, and maybe he's super, you know, like he's just remains healthy forever, and he pitches forever, and like you have 10 more years of Bartolo Colon like this, and then you definitely want him. But And I, I actually thought about this, because... I would say, as a baseball guy, based on yeah. everything I know, I would always try to go with a position player. Sure, they play. Okay. They play every day. They're less of an injury risk, depending on the guy. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, uh, you know, they're uh, the upside. I think is greater, especially over the long term, than it would be for any pitcher. So that sort of makes me lean towards some of the guys in the Yankees. The Mets don't really have, outside of, of Michael Conforto, who's not really playing, the Mets don't have a ton of young position players already doing stuff at the major league level. And so I would sort of lean toward, the, and the problem with this is the Yankees don't have enough guys to me that are like proven to be major league <laughs> contributors. They have a lot of guys with tons and tons of talent who have huge upsides and big futures, especially Gary Sanchez, the catcher who came up and hit a million home runs in, in half of the season last year. But because there's not enough proof for any of the Yankee guys, and not just because he was just on the podcast like 10 minutes ago, <laughs> I would say Noah Syndergaard because he's, he's so young. 
and he's been so good, and he has been, like, knock on wood, he has been outside of the blister thing and, and a couple of little, you know, sorenesses and whispers and stuff like that. He has been pretty healthy. He looks like a guy who's built to stay healthy. That doesn't really mean yeah. a ton uh, in terms of pitchers. I, I think that it's really hard to guess who's going to stay healthy and who's not. But, I mean, he's he's one of the best page, pitchers in Major League Baseball right now. He's 24, and he's six foot six, and he's 250 pounds of muscle. I'm not going to overthink it. <laughs> I think that's a good answer. All right. Well, and also, you know, if Gary Sanchez wants that nod, Gary Sanchez can come on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, all right, next question comes from our man, Charles Curtis, uh, Charles. somewhat somewhat frequent guest of the podcast, yes. and again, my neighbor, as I often mention, uh, by, and he's at by Charles Curtis, and he has a good question because it, it covers multiple sports. He wants to know, who should own the Rangers nickname, the New York Rangers or the Texas Rangers? And in addition to that, which other teams sharing nicknames should own them, like the Cardinals? Uh, so let's start with the Rangers aspect of it. Uh, do you have a take? Is it which is the more who's the which team is when when someone says the Rangers right. won last night? Who, who do you think? Well, I obviously think of New York because I'm a hockey person. Uh, so to me, I always I almost even forget that there are Texas Rangers. But I guess if you ask people in Texas, they would argue the opposite. Um, the second part, well, I w I'm well Charles Charles's answer that he's leaning to is the Texas Rangers because he's talking about. Uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, the TV show. Um, and uh, I will only say that we had a friend named Chris Walker, and we called him Chris Walker, Texas Ranger, which, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> is the best nickname you can give someone. It's very understandable, I would say. And I would say, I think, almost for Charles, well, obviously, because baseball comes. So this is, this is tougher for me, because I'm in New York, and yeah. so I'm confronted by New York on the day-to-day. -day, but And I do see tons of people in Rangers jerseys all the time, but... Baseball is first and foremost in my mind, and I would go with the Texas Rangers. I feel like, uh, again, like what Charles said, Texas Rangers. I don't know the derivation of the New York Rangers. Like, I don't know how they got right. that nickname. It's been a long time, obviously. So, but uh, Rangers are such a Texas thing to me that I go Texas Rangers. Also baseball. I, I agree with that, actually, because to me, I'm not really sure how... New York and the Rangers actually line up and it seems like the Texas Rangers seems you know very much a part of the Texas culture um, and New York doesn't so I agree with you it's not as a hockey person I think that New York has a lot of other like things that they could probably name their team and be okay with it it feels like most of the New York teams are named something sort of like intrinsically uh, elemental to like the New York Mets. It's like you're basically saying like the New York cities, right? Mm -hmm. And like the Yankees are like the yeah. Yankees. It's like being like the New York New Yorkers. And and Knickerbocker was an old nickname for New Yorkers. So it's like mm -hmm. for most of the teams, it's like we're the New York New Yorkers because that's how we roll. And everybody here believes it to be the best city and want wants to represent it. And I hear that all the way. And so the Rangers doesn't like fit with that whole thing. Uh, in terms of the other ones, uh, he gives the example of the Cardinals. To me, that's a that's a no-brainer. St. Louis Cardinals are oh. the Cardinals. Wait, so I'm looking at Wikipedia, and it tells me that in 1926-1907, the NHL gave New York a franchise, and they were Nick. And the guy who got the franchise was George Lewis Tex Ricard, and they nicknamed it Texas Rangers. Uh, okay.
okay, that makes a little more sense. But it's so it's, that makes a little bit more. But sense. it's so far removed. It's so far like I've never heard of that guy before. I mean, no offense if if like his family is listening or <laughs> hardcore Rangers fans, and I'm supposed to know that. But I'm not a Rangers fan, and I never heard of that guy. But it's still, but it, it's funny because they basically named them the Texas Rangers, but they're in New York, so they call them the New York Rangers. <laughs> right. So I think you, you, even that gives the nod to the Texas team. But what, yeah. where, do, where do you stand on the Cardinals? Because to me, the Arizona, like if someone says the Cardinals won, mm-hmm. I, and again, I'm, I'm all caught up in baseball, but I just would never think of the Arizona Cardinals. I don't even know if Arizona has Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, I, I would always think of St. Louis. Right, like, uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, that's, if it's like, it feels, it's it's very, it's a, it's part of the Plains, that feels mm-hmm. like a place where Cardinals live, the St. Louis mm-hmm. Cardinals are like the red team, it, they've always been the St. Louis Cardinals, and it feels like the Arizona Cardinals, when they li- when they played in St. Louis, that they kind of just ripped off that team, team name, and then they took it with them to Arizona. Mm-hmm. I would have gone with a rebrand. I feel like teams moving, and maybe, and I guess the the Raiders, I, I suppose, won't do this. It'll be interesting to see how it works in in the NFL. But I feel like if you're a moving team, you gotta just like cut it all and go with the whole new look. Like do what the Ravens did when they when like they didn't come and become the Baltimore Browns. Right, right. With um, the franchise going to Las Vegas, they're taking everything with them, which is dumb. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You could be the Las Vegas. Card sharks. There's, I don't know. You can have come some some Vegas themed the Desert Eagles or something. I feel like you're only asking. You're only going to create and court hard hardship and sad Raiders fans if you still keep calling them the Raiders in Las Vegas. But all the Raiders fans would then have to get new jerseys and a new gear. So yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Um. So Cardinals, I I would definitely go St. Louis. Then the other one, and this is the probably the toughest one for me, mm-hmm. would be the Giants, since there's the San Francisco oh. Giants and the, and the New York Football Giants. Yes. A- and I feel like they're both pretty successful franchises. Like that must be to me that would definitely be a coastal thing because here in New York, if I hear that someone talking about the Giants, I just assume they're talking about the football Giants. And I gotta imagine if you live in San Francisco and someone's talking about the Giants, you're talking about the the baseball Giants. I agree with that. I think that oh God, that's a very that's a re- but the thing is that the Giants are also such a it's such a generic moniker uh-huh. that it doesn't really say anything about either city. So That's true. It it could be like your high school team, I think, exactly. the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like San Francisco definitely has a broader and richer history that they could be able that they should be able to to pick from. So you think um, they should not have a team named the Giants? Um, I think that I think that they could do better. Do you know what I mean? To me, it's like the San Francisco Giants doesn't mean anything. The 49ers is such a great team name because it's such a great nod to the city's past that, you know, San Francisco's got to be able to dig a little bit deeper and get a little bit more creative. Whereas New York, I'm going to give it to them because... You know, I don't even know where the New York Giants play. Like, I thought they played in even in New Jersey, they right? Do, they, they play in East Rutherford, New Jersey, yeah. That's right. They play in New Jersey. They're kind of a all-encompassing team for all of New England. They don't really have anything else. Like, give them the Giants. Well, not for, New, not for New England, for, like, the tri-state area. Well, okay, for the tri-state area. No, this um, is, I guess not, this New is not New England. This is not New right, England. Right. Okay, I get it. Do I'm I look sorry. like do I look like offended. do I look like Nate to you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Right? Am I wearing am I wearing salmon colored shorts right now? No, <laughs> it's not. I've I've never owned boat boat shoes in my entire life. This is not New England. 
<laughs> I'm very sorry I offended your New York sensibility. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Um, I, yeah, I would go, uh, yeah. Again, I'm so baseball-focused that I kind of lean towards the Giants because the Giants have won three World Series in the last seven years or whatever. But yeah, but... The but football it's a lame Giants are always really good. They, they could have done a lot better. Well, so a good a good one for San Francisco. So the the old Pacific Coast League team before they had a major league team in friend, in San Francisco, the Pacific Coast League team there was the San Francisco Seals, and I like that because if you go to San Francisco, you actually see seals, which is okay. like not it's it seems like such an exotic animal to mm-hmm. to me living on the East Coast, and mm-hmm. whereas like if you're out, especially like right where the Giants play, right up against the bay, so if you go out near like you can walk out on a pier anywhere near the stadium and there will be some seals bobbing around and that's cool like that's like not an animal that's an animal you can see on the regular in san francisco and you never see in new york i think that's very cool but the seal is also not like a a mascot that kind of inspires uh, um fear in the hearts of opponents i think seals can probably be pretty nasty like i bet they're Uh, i'm sure they're kind of nasty you back a seal into the corner it's gonna come (laughs) after you I mean, I don't want to fight a seal because I would lose. Like, I think the seal has the upper hand. Well, it depends on if you're, I mean, if you're on land, you could probably beat the seal in a fight, right? Because you could just kick it. No, (laughs) I I think they're, like, strong and slimy. And those, I I think that, like, they can slap pretty hard with their fins. Yeah, but, I mean, you, like, you take a couple uh, running start and you kick a seal. I I, I, I don't want to fight with the seal. I'm not advocating advocating this, but you give a a seal a good boot. I feel like you're going to stun them at the very least. I would never do that. All right, well, then don't get in a fight with the seal. Um, all right. Uh, okay, so this uh, this is one from this is from my friend Daly, who's at Das Naysayer on Twitter, uh, who notes that all his best questions are 140, more than 140 characters, which I can attest is, is a true thing. He has a lot of good conversation points to start with. Uh, but he wants to know, and... Uh, I guess this is this is sort of topical after the after the NCAA tournament. Right. Why are there no humans who can ref a basketball game well? And he says, "Don't say speed. Fast players are also humans." Do you have any? Do you have a thought on this? I do, but it's probably not what he wants to hear. I will say humans are fallible, and our expectations of people not making mistakes are dumb and stupid. Well, and I'll also say that. Basketball refs, if you're extremely tall, you're, yeah. you're probably playing basketball, right? You're probably not the ref. So, like, you're, you're drawing on, on humans of average height, not mm-hmm. humans of NBA or college basketball height, which is, like, on average, like, 6'4 to 6'6. Six, six. So they're looking up. I feel like when we're watching on TV and we're watching from the crowd, we have a bit of a better perspective probably than a lot of the – in many cases, and it depends on how they're positioned and it depends on where they're standing, but – I don't know that the ref is always going to have as great of an angle, certainly not as the TV cameras, uh, but probably uh, in many cases not as good an angle as someone sitting in the 20th row of the crowd uh, who's looking down on the, the action rather than looking up at it. And I will say that the real problem isn't the refs. It's about, um, it's about not having some sort of backup, not having some kind of video replay system, even though it tends to slow the game down, and these are also not completely like foolproof errors, especially in NCAA basketball and in a situation that happened with Kentucky, if you had the ability to kind of go back and 
challenge a call with video review, that that would also be helpful. It's tough though, because I mean it's happening so quickly in basketball right. that there are so many judgment calls, especially in terms of is it an offensive foul, is it a defensive foul? Right. You know, there's obviously contact. Some a whistle. It feels like a whistle needs to be blown, and mm -hmm. you could really, I think, viably state that it was the offensive player or the defensive player in certain cases, and so. I don't know, like I feel like if you if you put replay into basketball, unless it's something that can happen instantaneously, it's going to take what already, a game that already slows to a halt in the final minutes, right? I mean, because, in the final minutes, right. Um, and, and you're going to take that, and like to me, that's, that's my least favorite part of the basketball game, is once teams start fouling and you start sort of getting into that game. Right, right, right. I get that it's part of the strategy, but then there's like, now we're working on flopping, and now we're working on, on not I mean, just the fundamental skills. Right. And so I feel, like replay, I feel like replay is going to kill it. Like, I feel like that... That I, would just okay, and and I'm biased because I've found the early rollout of instant replay in baseball, which was something I wanted. I found so distasteful just in how slow it made baseball feel, and how many times there was an exciting play, and then you got to wait four minutes for the umps to look on to get on the headsets and wait and to find out what they hear about you know what they should rule on that play. Uh, I kind of just feel like. Sports officials are way better than we think they are, and maybe we should just let them do their thing, with some exceptions. Yeah, I agree with. I mean, that's that's the overall strategy. Is that if you're going to have it, then you have to be able to be willing to admit that refs are going to be fallible and they're going to make mistakes that, that are going to change the outcomes of games. Like that's on you know if that's what we're committing to. But you know, there's instant replay in hockey and I'm not saying they need to be able to overturn or challenge every single call, but if you had one or two, I think in hockey you get uh you know each coach has like two coaches challenges throughout a game and they can and that has worked fairly well. It's a little bit slow, but video replay I think in the NHL just definitely has slowed the game down a little bit, but it's also, I think, been really helpful because the game just moves so, so quickly that the guys on the ice aren't going to catch everything. Yeah, and I'll say, just going back to the the last point, was going back to your, your original point that human beings are fallible, I also feel that, like, even when we are presented with ultra-high-definition slow-motion replay, mm -hmm. we are still influenced by all sorts. Like, I feel like if you put... Uh, a if you if you put fans of the two different teams like if you're watching a baseball play and it's between the Cardinals and the Cubs and mm -hmm. you put a Cubs fan and you show them the replay and you right. show the Cardinals fan the same replay they're gonna say two different things happened and even if they're seeing the exact same footage and unless it's like a completely cut and dry thing they're gonna be like no 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 because like your eyes just sort of tell you what you want to see sometimes well you want to believe what you want to believe you want the facts to line up with the narrative that confirms you are right. Right. And so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I find that, like, and I, I don't know. I guess in general, and I want to move on, I kind of feel like bad calls are part of every sport. I wish they weren't, mm -hmm. but they are. And you just kind of hope that they even out over time and that one team doesn't get especially jobbed by bad calls and one team doesn't get especially favored. I, I agree. It's a very mature and reasonable way to look at the situation. I'm so mad about sports. Um, <laughs> Uh, next one comes from, uh, we got two quick baseball ones. Uh, this one is kind of grim. 
comes from at Droid Zika, who is the, res the resistance on Twitter. And he wants to know, will I see a Mets World Series win before World War Three? Ah, man, I hope so. I mean, you know, that would be a... It would be just like the Mets for them to be like 17 games out in front in the NL East when World War Three starts, right? Like, that would be the most Mets thing that, that ever happened. That would be the happened. most Mets thing ever I, uh, I will say, go ahead. I uh, know that. So, so I, yeah, I hope that it's, I mean, this is an obvious answer, but I hope it's the Mets winning a World Series before World War Three happens. I'm going to say, oh, you know, last night I actually, as you know, the news has been fairly grim recently. And last night before bed, I was giving serious thought to whether or not I needed to invest in, like, gas masks. I was like, I don't know. Is that a thing I need to have in my house? What if, you know, what if yeah. bombs start falling? I hope so, not. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead with a... No. I yeah. think that, you know, I feel a little bleak today. I think the news is, is not doing a so lot think, to cheer well, me up. I just want to say, so, like, because I, I, I had to look this up, but, well, like, I think we're, I think we're, look, and I'm not saying things are going well with, right. with politics and government and right. war in general right. right now, but I feel like we have too many things in place to prevent World War III from happening. In World War II, in World War II, Mm -hmm. 60 million people died, right? Right. That is, it was 3% of the world's population, which if you just extended that to today, if it were 3% of the world's population were to die in one war, that would mean over, over 200 million people dying, right? right? Which is like most of the population of the United States dying in one war. I mean, and, and that's obviously if it were a world war, it wouldn't happen just here. It would happen everywhere, which is what happened mm -hmm. with World War II. It's so, I mean, it's, and I, I hope it's unfathomable and I hope it remains unfathomable. It's like crazy to me that people I knew, that like my grandfather fought in World War II is so nuts that like, Someone I knew on this earth existed at a time when we could have a war where 60 million people died. And right. I just don't, I, I don't know, maybe, <clears throat> I'm, maybe that's way too optimistic for me. And I know that this is like a heavy topic for the podcast. <laughs> I just don't think we're getting there. I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're too good. I think we're too good now, even despite all the evidence to the contrary. I think we're better than a war that kills 3% of the population of the planet. I, I agree with you on a very rational level because I think that there's too much stuff like infrastructure in place, right? Like like trade and um, digital communication and all these things that we have built up as a society are kind of preventing us from slipping into a huge, you know, conflict like, like a World War III. Because I, but I have a little bit more of a cynical take is because I think that we're not going to see the same kind of fighting that you saw during World War II, right? Like, I think a lot about this just because my Twitter feed is filled with news that is terrible. And we, my sister and I, one of our favorite conversations is like, well, if North Korea actually decided they wanted to bomb someplace, how far could that missile go, right? I think that there's a chance of small skirmishes, but I agree with you that we probably aren't looking at, like, a large-scale conflict like they had in World War II. Um, yeah, but that I mean, doesn't mean, but that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean that it's not that something isn't going to happen. Well, something's always going to happen, right? If there's anything right. that's universal, it's like toil and grief. But I just, I think that, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the bright side on this one and saying, with the Mets' current pitching staff as it is, with Noah Syndergaard for the win podcast guest fronting a, a staff of aces and a fairly deep lineup, a pretty good core of good prospects at the upper levels in the minors, the Mets, to me, are better fit to win a World Series within, like, the next 10, 15 years than we are to all perish in war. I think that's a very reasonable, <laughs> I think it's a reasonable outlook, and you might have convinced me. I'm going right. to change my answer to yes. <laughs> all right, sweet. Um, last one is from, last one. Last one's from our man at Reno Wallabout, who's asked us a bunch of questions. Uh, and... I don't know, maybe you have a hockey take on this. He, this is a baseball question, but he wants to know if you could field a team entirely of guys who play the same position. He gives the example nine left fielders. Which position makes the best team and who's on it? Uh, do you have a baseball stand take on this? I don't have a baseball take on it. I have a hockey take on it, but the hockey take is really simple. So I think the baseball take is pretty simple, too. Give me the hockey take. So the hockey take is basically that you would pick your best goal scorers and forwards because as long as you can score goals and you're really fast, it doesn't matter if you have good goaltending or defense. Um, so I would fill it with guys like Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Austin Matthews, Patrick Laine, you know, some rookies, some veterans, Alex Ovechkin, um, Nicholas Backstrom, those guys. Yeah, and in baseball, I think that this might have been a, a more difficult question 10 years ago, mm -hmm. but there has been such an outrageous influx of great young shortstops into the major leagues right now and since that's the hardest defensive position I think you generally assume a guy who can handle playing shortstop in the majors can mm -hmm. play anywhere you know and, mm -hmm. and it might be tough to convince him to catch but one of those guys they all have the arm to be catchers and certainly you would assume they have the the baseball skills the hands uh, the necessary footwork or they can learn the footwork to, to catch and to pitch they have great arms uh, so I would go I mean, yeah I guess the other case would be pitchers because they mm -hmm. would they could all pitch but I would say I could put together a team of major league shortstops uh, off the top of my head I'd say like you put Trevor Story at first you maybe put Kyle, Corey Seager at second. You could put, uh, you could put for, I'd keep Francisco Lindor at shortstop. At shortstop, not shortstop. That's not a thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there are a bunch of good third basemen. That would be the other, the other uh, candidate, I think, for this. But you could, if you count Manny Machado, he could play third base. If not, Carlos Correa could play third base because uh, Machado has played a bunch of shortstops. So if you count him as a shortstop, he fits there. Uh, you could, there's just, there's so many guys right now playing shortstop. It's like you can go 12 deep pretty easily with good major mm -hmm. league players. They're all good defenders. So mm -hmm. that's, that's where it is for me. I don't know who I'd have pitched, but I'd probably work on like some sort of rotation. You find out which of these guys can throw a curveball and you work from there. You're going to score a lot of runs and you're going to be so good on defense that I think you're going to prevent a lot of runs, even on hard hit balls. And it's going to be so much fun to watch because all these guys are going to be able to score runs, which right. is what people want to see anyway. Right. They're all totally sweet. Uh, Addison Russell, another guy I men didn't mention, like having that guy and his speed in the outfield, he'd be awesome. Uh, Miss Diaz, great hitter on the Cardinals. Uh, there's just there's tons of them. There's, there's so many... Uh, I could just keep. I don't want to keep naming shortstops. I can't. Tim, <laughs> Tim Anderson of the White Sox, nice player. You know, there's just there's a bunch of them. Uh, so it's shortstop for me. Yeah, definitely forwards for hockey because in hockey you also have two-way forwards like Jonathan Taves who can play. You know, defense as well. Um, 
and it makes the game, I think it would make the game a lot faster. I think we just came up with a really good solution to make hockey more interesting, is just take away the defensive aspect of There's it. Just, just no, let guys score. They don't play defense anymore. Yeah, they just don't play defense like anymore. Like, both, both teams have to pull the goalies, and it's just six on six. <laughs> sticks on sticks. Yeah. No, six on six, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm for it. I'm for it. I think, we just, uh, real quick, we got to go. Are you pro or anti-hockey fighting? Oh, um, God, that's a really good question. It's like and a loaded question in hockey right now. I know that. I know. It's like a thing. And I will say that I am against the straight up you know, guys come out and drop their gloves in the middle of a game to, like, settle a beef. Like, I'm, I'm against that. I don't mind a little bit of a hockey tussle, but when you have two guys who basically are having a boxing match in the middle of the ice, that's what I'm against. See, I, the, and I, I think, like, fundamentally, philosophically, ideologically, I'm with you. Like, there's no reason for that. Like, why, why, really? You're settling your score punching? But then when I watch, if I'm watching hockey and guys fight, I just, like, all of the, the base instincts in me take over, and it's like, yeah, yeah, hockey fight. And I'll like, say yeah. that having played some hockey, just, uh, just roller hockey, I feel like there's something about hockey, probably how even for as incredible they as they are on the ice they're still on the ice right like you're not fully in you're not fully in control so you're crashing into people all the time you get mad at each other and then when you do when you punch it's not like you have everything behind it because you can't really fully plant so mm -hmm. i feel like that probably takes some of the impact down again like i don't uh, I don't uh, support the long term injuries that might happen to these guys it's horrible but uh, I get it. I guess. I guess I just get it. Is all I'm saying. Well, I the thing that I that has so I was like you, and I think what has really changed my mind is the stories of all the enforcers who you know are kind of like who are kind of sad hockey players. Like they kind of want to play hockey. They don't see a role for them outside of fighting, but they don't really like fighting. And then they you know after they retire, they just talk about how much it hurts, and it just makes me sad. So now I'm. Like after reading like Derek Beauregard, um, and the the dude from the Blackhawks who ended up committing suicide, it's like it's just sad, dude. I, yeah. I don't even want to see it anymore. Now, now I feel bad. Now, now I didn't. Now, read, yeah. I guess I so I haven't read as much of that. I've read some of it and it's bleak and it's bleak. yeah and that sucks. So I would say maybe get rid of guys who are don't have guys there just to fight. But exactly. if if once every few games a couple guys are like I really you know what something you just did really bothered me I'm gonna shove <laughs> you to the ground we're gonna wrestle a little bit I'm alright with that. I'm okay with that too I okay. I think there's a place for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> alright. Yeah, we're on the same page. You can check out the For the Win podcast on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Stitcher. Uh, rate us and review us on any format where that is applicable. Uh, Hemel writes a ton about stuff on the internet, as do I. She's at at HemJavari on Twitter. And we're both at For the Win, ftw.usalay.com, writing stuff about baseball, about hockey, about stuff that happened on the internet. It's all pretty good. Hemel, thanks as always for doing this. Ted, thanks for having me. Peace. Peace.